Hello and welcome to the Helping Hand podcast. My name is Pauline Shannon. I'm a mother of three and a reflex integration therapist. Each week I will be meeting someone who helps children and families. I will be asking them what they do and how they do it. We will learn how different therapies can help, how to choose which is right for you and how to find them when you need them. Hello, today I'm talking to Hannah Monroe from Hannah Monroe Occupational Therapy. Hannah has 15 years experience as an occupational therapist and she's also a sensory integration therapist. She specializes in working with children with autism, ADHD and dyspraxia. She also works with children who do not have a diagnosis but who have sensory processing issues. Based in Cumbria, Hannah has two children, one who's autistic and attends a special school. Hello Hannah, thanks for joining us. So Hannah, can you can you tell us what is occupational therapy and um, what is sensory integration? Yeah, sure. So um, occupational therapy is a science degree based. It's um, a health and social care profession and it's regulated by the Health Professions Council. Um, occupational therapy, it's, it's really taking a, a whole person approach to both mental and physical health and well-being. Um, and it's all about helping um, individuals, or in my case, usually children, um, achieving their full potential. Um, so when, when we use the word occupation in occupational therapy, we're looking at, at like practical and purposeful activities. So for the children I work with, occupation is learning and it's play. Um, so OTs work with people of all ages. Um, in terms of children, it's about helping them overcome either the effects of disability or a, or a difficulty um, so that they can really reach their potential in school and in life in general. Um, and we're looking at um, a children's physical needs, psychological, social and, and environmental needs. Sensory integration is all about how our brains receive and process sensory information so that we can do the things we need to do in everyday life. So if you think different parts of our body receive sensory information from the environment, so um, our skin receives touch information, our eyes receive visual information, our ears auditory, as you know, um, and then send all this information up to our brain. Our brain interprets the information it receives, uh, compares it to other information coming in, as well as information stored in our memory, and then the brain uses all of this information uh, to help us respond to our environment. As you can imagine then, sensory integration is important in everything we need to do, whether it's getting dressed, eating, socializing, learning, playing. And for most of us, um, the development of sensory integration occurs when we're young as part of our normal development. So when we do things like rolling and crawling and walking, um, for other children, um, sensory integration is less well-developed and those are the children that I work with. Um, so that, that's a little bit about sensory integration. In terms of the actual therapy, the therapy is, is called AIRS Sensory Integration or ASI. And that's an evidence-based trademarked 
therapy that is based on the sensory integration theory. And I really like the way you explained what an occupational therapist was and how it applied to children. I just want to ask, is the occupational therapy and the air sensory integration, are they done together or are they two different approaches? So um, to be to to offer air sensory integration, you need to be an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist or a speech therapist. So it's additional postgraduate training if you're one of those professionals. But um, for me, they're very much together. So it's part of my assessment is a holistic assessment, which is very much based on the person, the child's function and their participation in everyday activities. And that that sensory piece is it's a big part of the puzzle, but it is just one piece of of the puzzle for me. Okay, Hannah, can I ask how you got into these therapies? Yes, so well, I actually started um, my my first degree was it with languages and business studies. So That's quite nothing different. like this at all. <laughs> different, um, and I just realised um, that I wanted to help people. And I knew I couldn't be a nurse. Um, and um, my nurse friend suggested occupational therapy, which I'd never heard of. So, um, yeah, I got um, uh, my degree um, in occupational therapy from the University of Salford. And I actually worked in dementia care for quite a few years. Um, I also worked in Australia in respiratory and general medicine. And then it was when my now eight-year-old um who's autistic he it, it was when he was younger and I just found myself going on so many parent training courses I just wanted to learn everything I could to support him and I was also just so I guess inspired really by the the people we were lucky enough to have supporting us um you know uh, one was a volunteer one was an autism practitioner um and just the difference they made by coming into the family home showing us what we could do um, and I decided to change spe uh, specialism because of that really. Um, so then I started working in a, a special school for children with autism and ADHD and then I undertook this postgraduate training with um, ASI Wise Classy, um, that's the, the company, to become a, a sensory integration practitioner and actually, at the moment, I'm partway through training to become um, a sensory attachment intervention therapist. But I'm thinking that's for another podcast another day. <laughs> you do a lot of things. It would be helpful if for today you could just hone in on one. And yes, I'd love you to come back and talk about the other ones. Focusing on air sensory integration, what would a package look like from the point that a parent gets in touch with you asking for help? So like, how often would you see them? What would an appointment be like? Where would they take place ideally? And if there's any homework, what would it look like? Yeah, sure. Um, so I always recommend that people contact me for a, a free phone or a Zoom consultation uh, to see if I think I can help. Um, sometimes I end up referring people on to a different professional that I think might be better suited to their needs. So I, I only take a client on if I, I'm sure that it's occupational therapy and, and sensory integration that I think can help them. Um, assessment's so important before the therapy. Um, so the parents or I could be seeing a range of behaviours or presentations. So we could be seeing, for example, that a child is low toned or 
that they're hypersensitive to touch or they're struggling to sleep or their handwriting's not not age you know appropriate but it doesn't work for me to then just give them a pencil grip for the handwriting or suggest some exercises for the low tone for example so it's really important that I do a comprehensive um, assessment so I can work out what the underlying issues are um, because that means I can then give them the most appropriate intervention so as part of the as part of the assessment I um, look at the child's developmental history um, I conduct a sensory assessment that involves neurological clinical observations. So um, it, it, it sounds, you know, not child friendly, but actually it, it's fun for the children and it just looks like some games. Um, but actually, you know, I'm I'm observing how their body moves. Um, and I um, I also do an assessment that looks at um, their sensory modulation. So whether they're overall under responsive to different sensory input. Um, I assess fine and, fine and gross motor skills. Um, and I also look at um, visual perception, visual motor integration. So it's really a big holistic occupational therapy assessment. And then what I do from that is I write a report with recommendations that the um, parents can do at home and that school can carry out. Um, and when it's justified, I'll recommend this air sensory integration. So I don't always recommend the therapy. Sometimes it's enough that once I've done my comprehensive assessment, that I think that school and home can carry out some activities without my input. Um, can you tell me how long that initial assessment sounds like it involves a lot? So does it take a long time to do? So, um, the first part is just with the parent or parents, and that's about an hour and a half. Um, then the assessment with the child is only about an hour, um, and that can be done online as well. Um, sometimes parents worry about how their child's going to do it online, but really I'm doing it through the parent. I'm directing the parent what to do, um, and they don't. the child doesn't have to be right in front of the camera. They can just be in the side of the room as long as I can see them. So it's been working surprisingly well, the online assessment. Then after I've written the report, I do about a one hour feedback session to the parents, explaining the report, demonstrating things to them. So it is a comprehensive assessment, but it doesn't take too long. It's usually done within the month um, after a few sessions. If you decide that air sensory integration is the way forward, what would that program look like? So um, that needs to be in in my clinic. So that's for people that can um, are local or can get to Ulverston in Cumbria where I'm based. That's um, 45 minutes to an hour sessions uh, weekly. There is some research evidence that says two to three times a week have had good outcomes, but that's not realistic, <laughs> no, for, uh, financially or, you know, time-wise. So what I do is as part of uh, my fee for the sessions, I include a home, home and school programme so that they're coming to me for an hour a week and then there's a home and the school programme. I do a, a review after six weeks and 12 weeks. And I, I usually suggest that, that parents are um, able to, to sign up for, for usually 12 weeks, but it, it depends on the child and what's come out in the assessment. And then I think what's in, important to say about the air sensory integration, even though I'm working on the underlying issues. So what I mean by that is I might 
have in my plan that I'm um, working on postural control or I'm working on their postural ocular function um, things like proprioception and vestibular input but the goals the goals are around improvement in function so the goals are around things like improving the child's handwriting or um, making sure that the child can then sit to do a lesson in class so that I usually have about three goals um, that over the 12 weeks we'll be working on um, and at, at the end of of the 12 weeks, the parents should be able to see a noticeable difference in those goals. So I'm not expecting parents to say, oh, you know, their vestibular system has improved. The parents should be able to see, oh, they can now sit for 10 minutes and previously they, they couldn't sit at all. Or they can now write two sentences, whereas before they couldn't hold a pencil. I've still got more questions, Hannah. So if I'm a parent and I've come to you, you've given me a program. I'm coming into you once a week what are we doing in the session and then what's the homework what do I do at home or at school is it exercises is it physical exercises how long will it take yeah so um as integration is child-led so it's very much the coming into the room and I'm seeing what they're attracted to and trying to use the equipment in the room that, that they're naturally going to. So in the room, um, there's a climbing wall. There is lots of different swings. So I have lots of suspension points where I can clip different swings up. So there's big tire swings. There is platform swings. There's a big lycra swing, um, which is great for children that need that deep tactile input. There's tunnels. There's a ramp with a scooter board that you can fly down. There's a, um, an inside zip wire. Um, so there's all this different movement equipment. So for example, um, if a child has difficulties with postural control, you know, I might have in my head that I want them to get in a prone position, so lying on their stomach, but I'm I'm going to kind of try and do that in a clever way where whilst they're on the floor, I might be kind of saying, oh, you, you know, I've hidden your favorite toy in, that, uh, toy in that tunnel. Can you get through and get your toy? Um, I might be, um, they might be enjoying the swing and throughout the weeks, I might be building them up to kneeling on the swing. And then by the 12 weeks, I might want them standing on the swing. So I'm kind of pushing and pushing them, but ever so slightly so that they can work on those, those areas of, of need, really. Are you getting a better idea, Pauline? Of... It sounds like it might be great fun. It's definitely great for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the first half of the question. That's what it looks like when they come to you. But what might the home and school part of it look like? Yeah, so um, so often in school, there's um, say there's a fine motor, fine motor difficulty. So it it might be actually suggesting suggesting equipment for school. So it might be that they need a slanted board for writing, or they might need a specialist seat. But the actual program for school, sometimes I suggest things like um like a motor skills group. Because there won't just be that one child in the class or the school that would benefit. So often school can then take my, say, fine motor program and um, use it for a group of maybe three children. So often they kind of look like PE type activities, you know, um, it, it all looks like fun and play, but it, it's maybe working on the areas of need. And at home, um, it might be just 
you know, say your child might have a trampoline at home and they might have a therapy ball, but rather than just bouncing on it, I might say, okay, this child needs to work on integrating both sides of the body. So can you be throwing them some bean bags while they're on the trampoline? And can you be making sure they reach for, you know, different kind of games at home? That's great. Now, I, now I've got a really good picture of what would be expected of me as a parent. So I guess the step before that is what is it that I might see in my child that would send me to you in the first place? Because not everybody knows what sensory integration difficulties are. So what might I see? So often it's just when the parents think something isn't quite right and they're not sure what. So that's what I have a lot of parents coming to me. Um, and they just feel that they just want someone to have a good look at everything and see what, you know, if what comes up. Um Often there's sensory sensitivities that are stopping the child from fully engaging in life. So it might be a child that they're struggling to get to school because they won't get dressed because um, they don't like the feel of clothes. Or it might be a child that they can't take out in public because it's too noisy. Um, so often it's sensory issues. There are always functional tasks the child's struggling with. So everyone that comes to me, um, whether it's something like getting dressed, uh, sitting still to do schoolwork, riding a bike, handwriting, there's, there's always something that, that, that they're struggling with that other children their age probably aren't finding so tricky. Um, I'd say many of the children do have a diagnosis, so it's often autism, ADHD and DCD, um, but following their diagnosis, they just haven't been given any support or or referred on for any therapy. So they're kind of wondering, well, what now? How can I help my child reach their potential? I've got this diagnosis, but, but what next? Um, so although I don't need a diagnosis to work with a child, often, often they, they do have a diagnosis. Is it a particular age group that you work with? In my um, previous work, I've also worked with um, adults. So I, I am, um, you know, I enjoy working with children right from the age of about three um, up to adults. Um, what's just naturally happened in my work is most children I see are probably aged yeah, four to 16, roughly. But I am um, experienced in working with, with a wider range. Somebody's listening and they're thinking, I need this kind of help and I want to get in touch with Hannah. How do they get in touch with you? So my website will be... Um, well, is sorry. So it's hannahmunro.co.uk, but I spell that without an H on the end. So it's h a n n a m u n r o.co.uk. Um, but actually, my Facebook page, um, as well as having the same information, it's got some activity ideas and some videos that parents and teachers might find helpful. Um, so if you put in Hannah Munro specialist occupational therapist into Facebook, that will come up. Um, and as I say, I, I recommend people, if they're not sure, um, it's just best to ask for a free consultation and, and talk things through with me. You mentioned doing some of your stuff online, your assessment, I think you did online. Will you be continuing to do assessments online after COVID? No, I'll, I'm continuing to do that. Um, it works well. Um, so yes, I'll be continuing to do that. Thank you very much, Hannah, for agreeing to talk to me today. It's very interesting. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Helping Hand podcast, connecting families with help and support when they need it. If you want more information or to find a therapist near you, go to helpinghandonline.co.uk.